For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 14th episode of the Generation Jaguar podcast. I'm Jordan DeLugo. I'm here with my co-hosts, Hunter Evans and Scott Klein. In case you didn't know, Tom Coughlin's back in town. Yeah. How about that? It's good. Um, it's good. It's good. That's, That's some good I'm... analysis Sorry, right I, there. I was listening to the song. I didn't realize we had even started recording. <laughs> we are live right now, Scott. This is the Generation Jaguar right, podcast. let's get into it. <laughs> So yeah, Tom Coughlin's back in town, Doug Maroon's the head coach, uh, Dave Caldwell's still the general manager, who knows how much power he still has, um, all sorts of exciting stuff going on with the Jaguars. Now there's been a lot of mixed reactions and we'll get into all that shortly, but um, again, just welcome to the show. You're listening to the Generation Jaguar podcast. You can find Generation Jaguar online at genjag.com. We've been busting our asses this week, getting posts out, keep, keeping everyone updated. I think we've had 12 new posts on our website since Monday. And this Ooh. is Thursday that you're listening to this. It should be Thursday, uh, January 12th, because, of course, you're listening to this right after we post it. <laughs> we you're not taking a couple <laughs> days to listen to it. You are tuned in as soon as this comes out. Anyways, again, find us at genjag.com. Uh, all the latest news and analysis on all the coaching stuff. Good, fun stuff going on. Um, you can find my co-host, Hunter Evans, at Hunter underscore Evans, underscore seven on Twitter. Uh, I found someone else that has more underscores in their 
uh, Twitter handle than you. So. I'm going to have to change Shut that, it down. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have to make a new Twitter <laughs> That's account. That's absurd. <laughs> underscore after it's just each nothing letter. nothing but underscore some periods. <laughs> exactly. That's what I need. And then we've got Scott Klein over here, at Scott Klein one And, of course, I'm Jordan DeLugo. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Jordan DeLugo. Um, gosh, what a week it has been. It's been a whirlwind for me. I feel like I don't even know what day it is. It's a roller coaster of emotion. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm in a glass box of emotion. <laughs> I guess we can start off with getting a little, a little bit into the timeline of how everything broke down. So... It had been about three weeks since the firing of Gus Bradley. This Monday had been about exactly three weeks, and uh, I was getting antsy. I think everyone was getting antsy, waiting on the news who the coach was going to be. And reports came out Sunday that it looked like it was going to be Mike Smith. And so I think I had kind of resigned myself to the fact that it would be Smith, and I would have been fine with Mike Smith. I think he's a quality head coach. I think he provides a little bit of a balance in between what Gus Bradley was with the ultra-positive, ultra-just-get-better-every-day to where Doug Marone is, who's he's going to be a hard-ass. Yeah. I think Mike Smith would have been a nice balance of that, but I'm very pleased with Marone. But anyway, so it looked like Smith was going to be the guy all the way through Monday morning, all the way into the afternoon on Monday. Yeah, there were national guys still saying that, oh, we think Smith is the guy. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, uh, can't remember. I guess it was Schefter, I think, Schefter, that broke yeah. it. Of course it was Schefter. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know, just assume. Yeah. So Schefter broke that Doug Maroon was going to be the head coach. And Jaguar Land went into a panic frenzy. Everyone was... Everyone besides myself. And I, I don't know about I, you. Hunter's I mean, a Doug Marone guy, too. You saw, you, saw, you saw the text brick that I sent, the whole group text. Yeah. Text after text after text. I had an interesting reaction. Scott, I don't think, was very excited. But... Um, <laughs> For different reasons than you might think. And we'll get into right. that in a little bit. And so... It got released about sometime around 3 or 4 that Doug Marone was going to be the head coach. Everyone's freaking out. Everyone's pissed off. You know, the Jaguars are never going to be good again. (laughs) Then, in between 30 minutes and an hour later, Schefter's back at it. Tom Coughlin is the new executive vice president of football operations for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And everyone rejoiced. Everyone who was freaking out about Doug Marone, for the most part, calmed down. And everyone's just so excited about Tom Coughlin being back in black and teal for the Jacksonville Jaguars for the first time since uh, 2002 when he was fired, which is crazy. It's been 14 years, 14, 15 years years now. Time flies when you suck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, Yeah, it does. Well, I mean, all we do is look forward to the offseason, so it goes pretty quick. So now you've got a power structure of Tom Coughlin, as executive vice president of football operations. Dave Caldwell, still the general manager, which that got released shortly after the Tom Coughlin news got released. And then Doug Marone will be the head coach. So it'll be interesting to see how the power structure really works. Because before, Dave Caldwell was the guy. He made the final decision on everything football. And now he's not the final guy. No. In my estimation, it'll kind of work like Dave Caldwell is going to be doing everything 
that he was doing prior, mm-hmm. but then he's just going to have to be reporting to Coughlin. And there's going to be some instruction from Coughlin saying, hey, this, we're going to do things oh, yeah, this we'll way do, now. Yeah, the, absolutely. The, the, it might, he, might nec- he might be doing the same stuff he's been doing, but he's probably going to be doing it the Tom Coughlin way. <laughs> yeah, in a different manner or fashion yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone together, that is just... That is a hard-ass couple of guys, hard-ass old-school coaches. They're going to be – there's going to be some culture shock. And I think that culture shock starts, uh, if you're listening to this Thursday, today, uh, at 10 a.m., which is now 9.55 10 a.m. would be late. Right. Yeah. In case you don't know, Tom Coughlin is notorious for – If you're not five, if you're minutes, not five early, minutes early, you're late. You're late. So, the press conference will be starting at 9.55 a.m. Um, I saw a funny comment on Twitter. Somebody asked Mike DiRocco, the ESPN Jaguars reporter, why not just start it at 9.50? 9.55 such an odd time. Or why not just start it at 10? He's like, well, if you started it at 9... If you stated that it was going to be at 9.50, then it'd be 9.45. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's just always going to be five minutes oh early, yeah. guys. It's like stuck in a loophole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> five minutes early. It's not too complicated. We're not dealing with some interstellar inception no. here. Just be five minutes early. Yeah. Very simple. It's, it's pretty simple. So it'll be a really interesting introductory press conference. Again, Tom Coughlin will be back in black and teal. For the first time in 15 years, I mean, it's just going to be so sweet seeing him in a new Jaguar hat, maybe. Yeah. Maybe a new Jaguar polo. I think it was Tad Dickman that posted a picture of a shirt with Coughlin's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a little exciting. That was a t-shirt, though. I don't think he's going to be wearing a t-shirt tomorrow. No, it won't, but it's definitely exciting. That would be awesome. Yeah. Cheers for that. Now, one note um, on the whole timeline before we get... Too hot and heavy and everything. Um, Jeff Lagerman pretty much, he didn't call that Tom Coughlin was going to be hired, but once Doug Marone got hired to be the head coach, he wouldn't respond to, I believe it was Frank Frangie's texts, mm-hmm. because he was like, something else is coming. Yeah. And give Lagerman credit, because he was absolutely right. And uh, then, of course, the news came out about Tom Coughlin. So Coughlin, Caldwell, and Marone are all signed through the 2019 season. That's three years. Coughlin and Marone got three-year deals, and then Caldwell got his two-year extension. He was signed previously through 2017. Um, So, yeah, this is the immediate future of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, what do you guys expect to see different from the fact that Tom Coughlin's now at the top? I mean, you're going to... You're definitely going to see a, a very straightforward approach. He's yeah, Marone's a straight him. shooter, too. Yeah. yeah, He's always going to hit the nail right on the head. Um, he's not going to take any crap from anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I'm just, like, waiting for, like, Jalen Ramsey to say something stupid or Dante Fowler. Oh, please don't hurt him, Tom. Please don't <laughs> hurt him. We need those guys. <laughs> it's like, well, that's the end of that guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Most successful head coach in Jaguars history. Arguably the most successful head coach in New York Giants history. Um, Two-time Super Bowl champion. Took the Jaguars to the uh, AFC Championship game twice. 
as an expansion team. Yeah. I almost want to say what he's done with the Jaguar, what he did with the Jaguars from 1995 to 2002, was more impressive than what he did with the Giants from 2003 to 2015. He literally made a team from scratch. Yeah, and hit the ground running. And he was the GM. He was judge, jury, and executioner yeah. back then. Obviously, some of his tactics led to salary cap hell. Yeah. But obviously, I think he's learned from that, and the NFL is now structured to where every year the salary cap goes up so much, it's going to be hard to put yourself in salary cap hell. Plus, especially got, with how much room the Jaguars have yeah. to work with. <laughs> and it's he's crazy. Got, uh, salary cap guru. Right, uh, John Edzik. Yeah. Yeah. Idzik, I don't know if Caldwell's the guy that has been able to structure the contracts or it's been Idzik working behind the scenes. But all of the Jaguars free agent contracts Very that they've cheap, signed yeah. over the last um, couple seasons, it's like some of these guys had big money contracts, it looked like. But the way they're structured, the team is totally safe. safe. Yeah, two yeah, years down amazing. the line, if they're not a hit, it doesn't hurt you can get the team rid of them. Much. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. You so. got the money now, pay them now. And- I think as of right now, the Jaguars have almost $40 million. <laughs> That's not That's including crazy. the fact that they'll probably get rid of Julius Thomas. That's like $8 million. Jared Audrick, that's like another $8 million. This is going to be a ridiculous amount of money. Obviously, Prince of Mukamara might be a guy they try to retain, and he'll cost a lot more than he did this year. But, you know... It's just really amazing how well these contracts have been done for the Jaguars, and I think that's got to be something that Tom Coughlin saw and was like, yeah, we can work with this. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that he's not tied to Bortles for more than another year. Uh, and that's one thing. I've heard it on the radio. The guys on 1010 have talked about it. If, if all these coaches that were out there, potential head coaching candidates, were so averse to Blake Bortles like these reports have been saying national reports it just doesn't make sense because they're only tied to Bortles for a year if he doesn't perform this year you can literally draft any quarterback in the following year and so what opening uh, has a better quarterback than Blake Bortles save um, there's one opening where there's a decent quarterback I mean you got San Diego San Diego that's it Phillip Rivers that's it there's no other situation where there's a better quarterback in place than Blake Bortles. So this whole argument just doesn't make sense to me. That, oh, we, we can't be tied to Blake Bortles. No one's tied to Blake Bortles beyond 2017. Yeah, if he's a hit, you've already got a quarterback yeah. who's been in the league a couple years. If he's not, then guess what? He's got one year in his contract left. You draft a young guy, and you, bring, and, and you just let him fight it out. Yeah, out of all the teams... That have a head coaching vacancy. The Jaguars have the best quarterback situation. And even if you hate that situation, you're only stuck with it for a year, like we said. It just I don't follow that story at all. No, I don't I don't buy that. It's and it's, and that story leads to the narrative that the Jaguars settled for Doug Marone. I don't think they settled. I'll, he was the he was the first hire of the offseason. Yeah. How are you gonna say a team settled <laughs> when there's all these guys still available? I don't buy a lot of the crap that people have been putting out. Like to me, it almost seemed. I think like almost two weeks, three weeks ago, I, we were talking about is Tom Coughlin going to be the head coach? Yep. And I didn't think so then. I didn't. I said he was going to probably be 
some kind of we even football on the show guy. Brought yeah, him yeah up we've talked his about exact it. position that he's in right now. Exactly. Yep. And I thought, and I it feels like maybe a little back, bit, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it kind of feels good, but I, it seems that maybe they had met with Coughlin the first time, and then they brought him back for that second meeting because Sh- Shad Khan met with him by himself. Yes, no, Denny Caldwell. And it seems like to me that maybe Tom Coughlin had said, "Listen, like I'll be willing to work as you know for the Jaguars, and probably put his name or Marone's hat." Their name was a Super Bowl right, as the because apparently it was, yeah Super Bowl winning quarter or um, I heard a report coach. that was Belichick. That be- it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean Marone's very well respected. Yeah, and, but you look you look at how things went down. You hired you hire a search firm. You bring in all these people, and then out of the blue, you know, Tom Cop Tom Tom Cop. I think this is more of a Tom Coughlin decision. Coming it, in, talking with Sean. It Shad, might be. I think saying, all this is, this is Tom Coughlin. Yeah. Everything that's happening. He's been behind the Coughlin. scenes, just getting his fingers on every little yep. thing that he can on the football team. The whole thing to me about the settling that doesn't make sense is that if you're Dave Caldwell, this hire is the hire that's going to either keep you in Jacksonville or leave you without a job. Yep. Because if you bust on this head coach hire, you're in a lot of trouble. You're done. You're done. Like, well, the, no doubt. the pressure's off on him a lot now. I, maybe, but he's still the GM. I disagree. The last couple years and how things are in the recent in the recent fe- or in the near future are all going to be on him. Yeah, everything from now on is going to be on Coughlin. But now, the, the, anything right. new is deflected. You're right. And if and if and if things don't go well, but there's net. a solid yeah. core. There's a potential that, you know, he's not the head guy who's going to get all the heat. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, and that's external pressure Correct. from outside the organization. I think inside the organization, the pressure on Caldwell just ramped up big yeah. time. Because now he's got to answer to Tom yeah, Coughlin instead of answering to Shad Khan. Shad Khan's not the football guy. Shad Khan's like, Dave, if you think it's right, it's he's right. Tom's yeah. like, Nah, no, that's so bad. Let's do this. The way that the Jaguars are ran, it's really hard not to make it seem like a, almost like a real business, like almost like a restaurant. Like mm-hmm. you have the owner that comes in, is like talks to the GM, everything good, like everything, everything good, good, we're good, yeah. making money, Let's like the progress. Yeah. All right, great. Let's keep going. You know, and then Tom Coughlin comes in, and Tom Coughlin's like that regional manager. He's over the whole system, yeah. you know, and he answers only to Shad Khan. You don't it's want just, him stepping in your office. Oh, if, <laughs> if the regional manager steps in the store, you're in trouble. Uh-oh. So, and I think a lot of people on this staff, and I think the entire team, will now have their feet held to the fire. Like, yeah. Absolutely. You, you want to talk about accountability? Yeah. You imagine going to Coughlin's office after a bad game? There was no rush with Gus. <laughs> it was all, we'll get there, we'll get there. Yeah. Now it's, hey, the NFL, you're not around very long. Yeah, let's get it done now. Yep. Rick Ballou from Ten Ten put it pretty well, I think, and he worked um, around the Jaguars organization when Coughlin was there originally. It was an uncomfortable building. <laughs> it's <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah, and I believe that's the same way the Patriots building yeah. is. It is not a place of comfort. You're there to work. You're there to bust it's your ass. Job. When you get comfortable, you get complacent. Right. And uh, I will, I'll say, and Baloo said this, it was very comfortable walking into the building when Gus Bradley was the coach. Because you're showing up and you're just trying to get better. Yeah. No accountability. 
That's it's, it's crazy oh. looking back at it. How ridiculous this organization was run. Even still, I've got a couple things to say about how things are still going on. Right, and I think we can get into that right Uh, now with, I'm assuming you're talking about just the process of how they got to. Right, so I think we, I'll speak for myself, but I think Hunter and Scott would agree. We are happy with the result of this process. We're happy that Coughlin is here. We're happy that Caldwell's answering them. We're happy with Maroon. Correct, yeah. We are not happy with how the Jaguars got to this process, got to this result. And looking at it in a vacuum with no outside influence, Doug Marone, I think, is a good football coach. I think if, we, if he was brought in from a different team, he'd be like, oh, that's, that's, you know, we're, we're so excited. All this stuff is good. But when it comes along with he was on the staff of Gus Bradley while all this was going on, he's going to retain the head guys on both sides of the ball. And a couple of assistants right. on that same team. It right. really begs the question, well, what's, what's going to change? Well, all the positional coaches, for the most part. <laughs> okay. <they're all> <laughs> there was a lot of turnover as far as the individual positions. The only positional coach that has been confirmed to be staying, excuse me, is the tight end coach, uh, Ron Middleton. And... There will be a defensive assistant staying as well, Mike Rutenberg, but it's not clear what his role will be besides being a defensive assistant. And, you know, uh, that's really not super significant. I think by far the most important, and of course it is, like this is the hierarchy of football. The coordinators are more important than the position coaches. Mm -hmm. Head coach is more important than the coordinators, maybe. I think the two coordinators combined have as much impact as the head coach. Yeah. Uh, But... So, it all goes back to the Jaguars not firing Gus Bradley earlier in the season. That's where this negative idea about the whole process starts. If you believed Doug Marone could be the guy, why not fire Gus Bradley earlier in the season and see what Doug Marone can do? There was a point in this season where the Jaguars were still in it, even though their record didn't reflect the fact that they were in it. They were still in it. Yeah. With the AFC South being as bad as it was, why not fire him after Tennessee and then see what happens? To me, it's because for whatever reason, some in that building, they still had faith that things would turn around. It's crazy. Which to me, and, and I've, I've been looking at a lot of this because I'm a masochist and I like to just, <laughs> just find different ways to depress myself. But Adam Stites. With S- I think it was yeah, SB Nation, Nation wrote a, wrote an article, um, and it's basically the opposite of what you're saying is of what they appeared to do earlier in the season with having faith in Gus, thinking he's the guy. It'll turn it'll turn around. Maybe they might, they're gonna have success. Adam Stites goes on the other hand and says, if you had so much faith in the guy, why is he the only person that got the chopping block? Why is everyone else in that building outside of Greg Olson and the, some of the position coaches? I think that's a fair question. Is it because they needed a scapegoat? Or is it because they were like, shit, what the F have we been doing and listening to for the last four years? This it, is preposterous. Yeah, to me, to me it seems like they think... It's probably somewhere in between what we're yeah, both saying. They think we have 
we have the right guys. The roster is not the problem. We have players that can make plays. Yeah. Some we're a tweak away from getting to where we need to be. And well, when the guy you've been fighting for for fourteen and forty eight, and you didn't fire until the fourteenth game of the season, that's the guy that you're gonna say, oh, he was the problem. Yeah. Well, why didn't you do it sooner? Well, you know, maybe he wasn't the problem, honestly. But I know that's like so not vogue to say. Maybe he wasn't the problem. In my opinion, the biggest failure for this team in, in the 2016 season was the fact that the offense got complacent last offseason. Mm-hmm. Not just, I'm not saying the players didn't practice hard in the offseason, because they did. Yeah. The Jaguars, I believe it was Gus himself, said, and I think Dave commented on it too, last season, going into the 2016 season, they said, we're going to keep. We're going to keep things the same, and we're going to try to just accentuate what Blake does best. Hmm. Now, if you're a defensive coordinator for another team in the <laughs> AFC South or a team that has the Jaguars on their schedule, what are you going to do? You're going to take away every single thing that Blake did good last year. Because mm-hmm. you know, based on what they just told you, that... Um. Yep. They're going to be running what they did last year, and they're going to be running the plays that Blake felt comfortable with. I mean, it doesn't get much more idiotic than that, in my opinion. And at the time, I didn't realize it was idiotic, but hindsight is twenty twenty, and it was completely idiotic. How are you... Ex- if, in the NFL, if you're staying the same, you're Everyone, not getting better. Everyone's got film. Yeah. The great offenses are innovating and changing for their personnel and for the team they're going up against. Yep. I mean... Bill Belichick offenses change week to week, much less year to year. Like, come <laughs> yeah, on. It's unbelievable how different they can be. LeGarrette Blunt will run for 180 yards and three touchdowns in one week. And then the next week, Tom Brady will throw 55 passes right. all over the yard. That's crazy. To 11 different receivers. Again, we go back to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we just Patriots fans? Oh, I'm no, kidding. No. Screw you, Patriots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Um, we're we're earning our trip to the playoffs here. You just you were just born into it. Well, Although they were pretty crappy back. Patriots in the fans 90s. that are like our age and older, which we're all right around twenty five, um, they had to deal with a lot of crap before Belichick. They were always the team that oh I played against gosh. in NFL Blitz because they were. We're gonna throw it back to some PlayStation One, some yeah. uh, Nintendo sixty four, yeah. Bliss ninety nine. You wanted to play against the Patriots. <laughs> That's great. Um, so yeah, the whole process obviously is very confusing, and we're never gonna know exactly what happened. But it does seem like it was a bit weird, yeah. a bit uh, discombobulated. I mean, and, and that's that's another reason why I think Tom Coughlin being brought on, things were going one way, and then he was like, "No, this is the direction we're going." Yeah, I, I mean, all right. So they they interviewed multiple guys. Like yes. they didn't just interview Marone. And and but they said there's been multiple reports that Marone's interview lasted all day. Right. It was way longer. Than late into else's. the night. Josh McDaniels was in the interview for an hour. Or I like believe that. what and. This is all speculation. Everything we're talking about right now, for everyone that's listening, this is speculation. So we, mark it down as fact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I believe what happened with McDaniels was he clearly wanted a little bit more power than the Jaguars were like, whoa, pump he the brakes, buddy. He wants to be the end yeah. be all. And that's what the 49ers are probably going to give him when he ends up getting hired there, well, probably. Well, I mean, it makes sense they've done it to everybody else, yeah, right? exactly. God, that's a but, that organization is <clears throat> scary. But anyways. That's a dumpster fire. Yeah. We're like a dumpster with like a cigarette in it. Just it's it's about to yeah. last. <laughs> hopefully, someone jumps. Someone in and puts could it out. put it out yeah. real quick, and well, that could be tough. And then you, you jump in there, and you got like a nice, <laughs> like a bread maker or like something. Some cool stuff. I don't know. I was just trying, trying to make the analogy fire. cooler, but I just sounded like an idiot. So let's really move on. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. But uh, I mean, like, there's got to be something to look into with that, like. McDaniels might have came in and been a shining star with on-the-board stuff. But at some point, it obviously got to the point where Dave Caldwell and whoever else was in that meeting just said, you know, this obviously isn't going well. Like, let's just end this here and go somewhere else. To me, I I think Mike Smith was Dave Caldwell's guy. But then Dave Caldwell wasn't... I that's because that all with national guys, he was the guy. And I think Dave Call or Mike Smith might have been the guy... Like, the coach he might have wanted in a way. Mm-hmm. But I think when Tom Coughlin became relevant, when that, whatever yeah. that came to be. And I think that came to be before Marone was even oh, yeah. officially decided on. Definitely. But whenever the whole idea that Coughlin would actually come here and be this position, I think Dave Caldwell just kind of bought into that idea. And I'm sure met with Shot Khan multiple times and decided this is what's best for the franchise. Mm. And at the end of the day, that's... Why Dave Caldwell's here? It's not to make him happy. So I mean, I know fans are mad. Fans probably want Mike Smith. And fans... I don't think fan. I mean, I think more fans would have been happy with Mike Smith, but I still think there would have been a large contingency that would be unhappy. Oh, of course, because yeah. ever no McDaniel's was the Vogue guy. Yeah. Shanahan was the Vogue guy. Yeah. Well, but you know, Mike I, Smith isn't flashy, but he's a guy that went to the playoffs six times on a terrible Tom, Atlanta Falcons Tom team Coughlin's before not he was there. Flashy, but it's just. He only went to the playoffs four times. However, four times. I'm sorry. He did he have was, five winning seasons and seven seasons as a head coach. I'm not good with numbers. All right. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm going of, off my memory. Some That's, of these things stick in my head. Best. I don't know why, but yeah, Smith. I mean, he was a great candidate, but it didn't work out, obviously. Um, but my, I was kind of a strong advocate throughout this whole season because, you know, it was obvious that Bradley was going to be gone. I was kind of an advocate for McDaniels this whole time. I really liked him. But, like, he really did look like a psychopath at times on the Denver sideline when he was the Broncos head coach. I know it's been reported, widely reported, that he's, like, matured a lot. But that's still got to scare you. Yeah, and that's something to talk to him about. I'm sure that came up in the interview. Yeah. Like, how do you feel you would do things different than in Denver? Yeah, absolutely. So, I think the Jaguars got the right guy. Um, I know that I've heard some uh, Bills, Buffalo Bills beat reporters that will say <clears throat> Bills fans will laugh in the Jaguars fans' faces right now, but only because they're spiteful. Yeah. Why? Doug Marone left willingly. Yeah. Because look at what's going on with that franchise now. Yeah. He probably read the tea leaves. Well, something something bad is happening in Buffalo, or was happening, and is now just, just evolving. Absolutely. Like, yeah. He, 
That's ridiculous. Like I heard today something about um, somebody on ten ten. I think said that uh, Doug Marone bailed on Buffalo and left and ran away. That's, like it's dumb. That's ridiculous. If, if, if that's you, someone if, reading like Facebook or Reddit comments. Like if you so if, many people that call into that into ten ten have no, no. clue. It's unbelievable. Oh my gosh. I want to take calls just so we can get stuff like that because it's like, un, like okay, let's say you're driving. And you see there's an accident ahead of you. Are you just going to drive right into there? Are you probably going to get off on the next exit yeah, and go around well, and take another that, Like, Why would you leave a head coaching <laughs> job in the NFL to be an offensive line coach, like a position coach? Well, like, it is believed that he thought he would get more interest right then as a head well, coach. maybe. It's worked out but, for him, clearly. But. He probably could have been a coordinator somewhere, yeah. a, a head coach in college. Like, He's had a lot of success. He was yeah. very successful as the Saints offense coordinator. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's not like what he did was outside of the bounds of his contract. No. There was a clause where yeah. it said he, you he can leave. leave. And, yeah. You forfeit the rest of your contract, but. No, I, I thought he got paid. Really? Yeah. No, I'm pretty he sure. He yeah, got he paid did. for yeah. the year that he was not their coach. I'm pretty sure he got paid $4 million. I was always, I just assumed that, yeah. like, okay, I'm, I won't take any more money, but I'm out. See you. No, I'm pretty sure he got paid. That's dumb. Yeah. Why would you put that in the contract? I don't know. But uh, that's something else, obviously. Oh, holy. I, we need to talk to some Bills fans. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, we've got this new power structure. It's really exciting. It's really kind of... Uh, a bold strategy, you know, a really bold strategy. You've got three three guys now that are going to want to control the roster that they want to control the way they want to control it and Caldwell, Coughlin and Marone. And, you know, they've all got strong ideas. I just hope it doesn't end up being a too many cooks in the kitchen type deal. I think Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone will get along very well. They're Tom Coughlin wants to build the offensive line and the defensive line. And he wants to be able to control the line of scrimmage. And you would definitely think Marone being an offensive line would guy well. would feel the same way. Yeah. But, you know, I could just... I can see, like, Coughlin, the Coughlin and Marone being so... Like, if there's one topic that they just disagree on, I can see both of them totally not budging. Yeah. Which, that's kind of scary. But then again... He's not the final. Doug, Doug, Dave Caldwell is not really the final say anymore. Right, Coughlin so, is. But like, I don't want Coughlin to be like, "Screw you, Doug Marone. I'm doing what I want." I'm and then Doug Marone's a disgruntled head coach. You know what I'm I saying? I mean, it's. I feel like you're, and we're also forgetting Tony Khan's still a part of this. Yep, absolutely. And obviously, oh, yeah. he's How much not. Analytics is going to be the analytics involved. part, and I think. It's a really interesting mixture because you really do have like the Tony Khan, young, really young guy, analytics kind of person, the Dave Caldwell who's slightly into that analytics but still has a little bit of that old school from when he was in Atlanta, and you got Doug Marone who's more of a hard nosed, slightly harder guy, and then Tom Coughlin's like extreme old school. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting mixture, and I think it's something that the NFL hasn't really seen like. This kind of situation and this power structure it's gonna be something else. is yet to be seen. And I think the best thing about it, and the, the one thing that makes me a little bit more optimistic than I think other people, other teams would be, is the owner. The fact that Shad Khan is the guy he is, 
as an owner has to be looked at like yeah because i think a lot of owners don't know what they don't know exactly but shot Khan yeah. does yeah shot Khan yeah. knows he's not a football guy he's a businessman yeah and he's done his business stuff and you can see it being built downtown right now yeah but he lets the football guys do the football all he almost knows, to a fault well yeah I but mean, that's maybe but it's the well, right decision for him but maybe almost to a fault and the last regime, because the last regime, everybody that was their football guys had never been doing the job that they yeah, were doing at right. the time. It's Dave Caldwell was never a GM. Not saying Gus that, Bradley was never a head coach. You not know? saying that Shad Khan being involved would be beneficial, right. but that he did the right thing in letting them run the, the things to run the way that they wanted to do it, but it ended up, at, in the end, not working out. But yeah, and the longer Shad Khan is the owner... Which hopefully is for years and years, yeah. decades and decades and decades. <laughs> if anybody gets that, shout out to you. Um, <laughs> anyways, if if Khan is the owner for a long time and he has to move through several different regimes, it will allow him to be able to perhaps see when things aren't going the way they should be yeah. able to, or the way they should be, instead of him just having no idea like he did for the first... Uh, five years of his ownership, you know? So, it's just going to be really interesting. Again, tune in to the press conference. If you're listening to this before 9.55 a.m. on Thursday, uh, January 12th, make sure to tune into the press conference at 9.55. I'm sure you'll be able to catch it on uh, jaguars.com, and that's probably the only place you'll be able to catch it. So, jaguars.com, make sure to check it out. Again, you're listening to the Generation Jaguar podcast. You can find us online at genjag.com where we've got all the latest news and analysis, tons of posts coming up uh, later this week, and we've already had tons of posts about what's been going on early this week. Uh, Again, I'm Jordan DeLugo. I'm here with Scott Klein and Hunter Evans. I just pointed at them the wrong way. But, it's okay, uh, they can't see that. Yeah, I know, but you know, I feel bad. I don't want to lie to our listeners. I pointed at the wrong guys just now. You can find Scott Klein at ScottKlein1 and Hunter Evans at Hunter underscore Evans underscore 7 on Twitter. Find me um, at Jordan DeLugo on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure, if you don't follow any of us, please follow Jen Jag for the latest Jaguars news and updates at Generation Jag on Twitter, and at Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram. So now that we've gone over the top of the power structure, let's get into the coordinators. It's clear at this point Todd Wash is the defensive coordinator moving forward, and he is keeping Mike Rutenberg as a defensive assistant in what capacity is not known, but Todd Wash is the defensive coordinator. Now, it's interesting that he's still the defensive coordinator because several of his defensive players had negative comments about the defense that they were in last year. And, uh, right, Scott's <laughs> pulling up an article from D-Rock, I believe. Mike oh, yeah, I was, about to t- I was about to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> so we're on the same wavelength here. But um, Todd Wash was the defensive coordinator in 2016, and at the end of the season, Tashawn Gibson, Jalen Ramsey, and... You uh, name it. Dante Fowler. Dante Fowler. All Scooter. three of them. Well, who cares about what Scooter thinks? <laughs> Scooter's a nice guy. Good guy. But I really don't Salty. care. I don't care about him as a Jaguar at all. I don't. That's so mean. I don't. <laughs> good guy. I mean, damn. 
Good guy. I like you. He might, plays, not here, might not be here next year. He plays the same position as Miles Jack right hey, now. Hey, you know what? You do your yeah, job. And my and my view. Special He hindered Miles Jack being on the field last sure. year. Well, the coach has helped with that. Yeah, but I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, I like him. I've met him. I've actually done work with his organization, Saxonville. Great guy. Don't know how much he's going to impact the Jaguars in the future. Anyways. So all of these guys spoke out against the way the defense was coached and the scheme in 2016. So the question gets raised. Will Todd Wash's scheme next year be the same as it was last year? I think the obvious answer is no. No, there's no way. But the real question is how different will it be? Mm -hmm. How much is he going to cater to these players' demands? I doubt it. Will he try to come up with some sort of compromise or try to come up with a scheme that fits these players and their abilities better? Because Jalen Ramsey is a ball hawk, because Deshaun Gibson is a ball hawk, because Jalen, I mean, uh, excuse me, Dante Fowler is a guy that when you get him in space can be unstoppable. I think he's going to try to figure that out. I don't think he's going to be as hard nosed and stubborn as Gus Bradley has been about his defense. What I, what I, just wrote, sorry. Uh, what I think is so interesting, probably one of the more interesting points um, of the things that have happened over the last two days, is you have an offense coordinator who is running mostly Greg Olson's offense. Yep. This past year, and a defensive coordinator. And a defense coordinator running Gus mostly Bradley's Gus Bradley's defense. defense. Yep. That's so crazy. really, you have two guys who are the same yet not like kind of different. Because they could be entirely different. Because Nate Hackett can come in, put in more of the offense that he wants to run, to right. have an all, a whole offseason. And now we are still assuming Nate Hackett will be Correct. the offensive coordinator. That's still a Let's question. Let's save that for after Todd Wash. But, <laughs> but I mean, Todd Wash, you got to think that he's going to be go to a more traditional 4-3. Is that going to necessarily happen? You would think so, but who, who knows? I mean, it's it's something where if if he's not looking at his players and listening to them, and you you have a star player in Jalen Ramsey and just kind of trying to put him and the other players around him in the best position that they can be in, that's not going against your philosophy as a defense. Yeah, I don't think that can hurt. Well, the weird thing again about it is, and this is mostly just Jalen, but. Jalen was just put in position all year to cover the other team's best mm-hmm. wide receiver. Is that not what you want as a cornerback? And we got into this a little bit before. Mm-hmm. I, we talked about maybe the technique that they're taught. Who knows? But um, the, I think the biggest change that you can see will not be with Jalen, but probably with, uh, with Deshaun Gibson. I don't necessarily think the Jaguars are going to be running a single high safety next year because Todd Wash um, worked with uh, the Buccaneers and knows the Tampa oh, 2. Old school Tampa. I was and, just about um, to say that. So there might be a two high safety look next year, and I think that could benefit to Sean Gibson's playmaking skills. If only we had a more athletic middle linebacker. To like, play the Tampa 2? I mean, play the Tampa crazy. 2. Huh. So only there was someone on this roster that could fill that position. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Plus, <laughs> Lesney, right? No. Uh, okay, wrong guy. Nah. 
Exactly. <laughs> but what, the one thing, the, the the one comment, I think, other than Jalen Ramsey's comment, I think that might have been a comment that was made maybe to, in a way, make himself appease, like, seem very, like, appease to the fans, in a way. Like, oh, I don't think I was used, you know, unleash me next year. Like, yeah. Maybe that was... And a, maybe uh, even try to appease uh, Dante Fowler yeah, and not make him look like... Or to Sean Gibson yeah. and not make them look bad. And he, it could have also been a very, you know, a, a young, immature kind of comment. Like, yeah. there, again, there's no way to really know. The one comment that I did not like and that I didn't really understand was to Sean Gibson saying that he doesn't want to be a babysitter in the yeah. backfield. What, do, what, what? I kind of understand that because basically his biggest contribution is stopping being the last... The, the last resort for stopping the long runs. I mean, I understand that, but you're a free safety. Like, your yeah. job is you're the last line of defense. Yeah. Not only the last line of defense on the run game. Pretty much, we're asking you to make sure there's no long run broke. Which, and we want you to stop deep passes. We want you to roam the entire field and just play football. Well, and Deshaun Gibson said he knew that when he signed with the Jaguars. He obviously didn't. Obviously not. Uh, you know... If you want to look for a guy that does the exact same thing as you, that's making plays. Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas. Hello. Yeah, I don't uh, see him. But not a lot of players him. are like Earl Thomas. He's, no, but he also doesn't come out and say he doesn't want to be a babysitter. Right. That's my point. But, Earl Thomas makes plays from the same position that Sean Gibson makes plays. But Earl Thomas can plays. put himself in position to make those plays, unlike any other safety in the league. Well, then, well, wait, then pretty much to then me, don't that, say you're excited about how the Jaguars <laughs> are going to use you, and you don't even Correct. know what the yeah, hell you're he, talking he, about. He, he did no homework on this. He saw the money and was like, "Yep." It, you know, it could have been a situation where he realized he's probably not fit for the the scheme. I don't. You know, who knows? Again, yeah. it's all speculation. But to me, that was a cop out. At least that's what it seems like. Yeah, I think it was all a bunch of immaturity. Honestly, could they be right in a to a certain extent? Yes. Yeah. But does it show immaturity? Yes. Uh, Now I would definitely like to see Fowler doing some different things next year. When he was at Florida, and we've talked about this a little bit, he lined up all over the place on the defensive line. He even lined up at like. A true four-three outside linebacker at times. I remember him dancing around, walking up and up and down yeah. the line of scrimmage. Just he just had so quite a bit of freedom on <laughs> yeah. that defense, and he wreaked havoc. He did absolutely. Uh, he's got a unique playing style, and Todd Wash is now tasked with figuring out how <laughs> to get the <laughs> how to get the most production out of it. Now, on the other side of the ball, Scott mentioned Nathaniel Hackett. What we know is that Nathaniel Hackett. And again, if you're listening to this after the press conference that comes on on Thursday at 10 a.m., a.k.a. 9.55 a.m., then you'll probably know who the offensive coordinator is. Or at least have a better idea of the but direction. But it appears Hackett will be the offensive coordinator, but it is not confirmed. All that has been said is that Nathaniel Hackett, the Jaguars' offensive coordinator, will be retained, and so will tight end coach Ron Middleton. It doesn't say that Hackett will be retained as the offensive coordinator in any report. Uh, so, could Hackett be getting demoted? Maybe. I don't think that's what will happen. I think he's the offensive coordinator. But reports have come out that Mike McCoy is still in play for the Jaguars' <laughs> offensive coordinator job. If and the Jaguars have any shot at getting McCoy, they have to, they have to at least try. And actually, as, as since the, we started... 
Uh, I've been checking Twitter, and it looks like uh, Vance Joseph is going to be the, quarter, the, the head coach. Broncos head and coach. it looks like McCoy, all signs are pointing to him going there. It makes sense. So it's, McCoy's it's, been in Denver before. They have a talented group of offensive players, minus the quarterback, of course. And uh, they have, you know, one of the all-time defenses. Yeah. So it, it's not set in stone. It looks like it. It looks like Hackett's the OC. But he's not the only guy out there. That yeah, that's true. Can, it looks like Hackett's probably going to be the offensive coordinator. And that's much to the delight of Blake Bortles, who commented after the season that he would love to see Hackett stay around. Um, I think it's a good thing. I think Nathaniel Hackett's an excitable guy. He just kind of gets the juices flowing, I feel like, when you hear him talk, when you hear him get excited about football. Um, and he's a guy that Blake can identify with. They can connect with each other, and Blake did not have that with Greg Olson at all. Well, obviously not. I mean, I yeah. think Hackett's a very good football guy. Like, it's, I've heard multiple people, like, I think it was Tony Vaselli just the other night said, Hackett is a very, very good football mind. And to judge him off of what he did this year solely would be foolish because he was running somebody else's offense. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, he might have, what you said. Yeah, I mean, he might have had his own little twist here and there, but at the end of the day, you can't reintroduce a new offense. Yeah, it's, not mid-season. No, it's That's not going to suicide. You exactly. You so, can plug in certain things. Right, which he definitely books. did. Yeah, he did. And I think you started to yeah. see a little bit of his style that he did use at Syracuse and Buffalo, which is a little more spread out. Mm-hmm. Still somewhat I think of that a physical game. Too. It I does. Think it really does. Well, what it does for Blake is it, it opens vertical lanes. And if you can open vertical lanes, it's a lot easier to throw the ball as a quarterback. If... If you're loading the box, you've pretty much shut down all vertical lanes of the field. Your your only lanes left are horizontal lanes, so it's a lot of runs and um, shallow crosses and stuff like that. So it's with with Hackett staying, whether he's the offense coordinator or whatever. I think the best thing it does is give Blake Bortles. I think I texted y'all this today that it gives him some stability. Yeah, absolutely. And they, and they obviously work Which well he together. Needs he, he needs that. He needs that. Like this is going to be his first year. Yeah. like it's with, just, Well, also for a year and a half. But it's, it's the same guy, but it's still a new offense. Right. But it's, it's so weird. It's a comfortability factor. Like, and they, and they four offensive coordinators in four years. And it's definitely clear that Bortles did not identify with Fish or Olsen yeah. on any level compared yeah. to what he is doing with Hackett right now. No, and somebody somebody posted, I think it was one of the 1010 guys that posted um, Bortles stats you know, pre-Hackett and Bortles stats after Hackett. And they were very similar, very similar. But I think that, I mean, that's, that's just Bortles last year. He had yeah, a bad if you look year. At the, if yeah. you look at the numbers, you would think he, would, he had a good year all year. Yeah, I mean, but, but it's just, it just, in the, in the his Tennessee, play was different. It, uh, in the it Thursday was clearly night, different. In the Thursday night game against Tennessee, he threw for, what, 300 yards and a couple touchdowns? Right. Like a lot and of junk. Yeah, junk those stuff. numbers will lie to you. Yeah. They will lie to you worse than you your girl. You would think he had a good game looking at the stats. Right, because you'll look at some of the games prior to Hackett coming on and Bortles had good numbers because in the third end of the third quarter and in the fourth quarter, he threw two touchdowns or three touchdowns. Yeah. That is not fair at all. And in each and every Nathaniel Hackett coached game, the Jaguars were in the game, 
And they pass the eye test. Right. More it looks so different. Stop staring at stats and watch the game. Yeah. Bortles looked a little more comfortable to me. Yeah. In Especially the last yeah. two games. Oh, yeah. I thought, the last uh, two games of the season, Bortles unleashed. played good. Yeah. And he I did not turn the ball over very much at the end of the season. No. And you can also see a little bit of the wrinkles, like the, the reverse pass and like, <laughs> the throwback. Like, it was Just awesome. little Dude, things Marquise like that. Like, it just adds can we just some shout spice? out to you, Marquise? What yes. an amazing breakout. You paid the albino paid. tiger. Oh, I love the albino tiger. Yeah, that's something we'll have to get into a lot coming up. Whether or not the Jaguars decide we'll to pay Marquise Lee um, this year or try to wait till next year. Because if you wait. They got to sign him, I think. If you wait and he has a, like a 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns, you can kiss him goodbye. Yeah, because he's going to be demanding and then, way and then too much money. On the other hand, I saw something. Allen Robinson, the, the numbers from his last two games. Yeah, he, he played really well too. Out, out of this world. So you might have two guys. It, well, the Jaguars have, have to renew Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson yeah. this year. Does they it, have to do it. Does it not seem, though, watching the first half of the season and the last half, like we were talking about they played better or it looked better, but it almost looked like they just gave a little bit more Shits, like you know. Oh, like, I think there's no question. Like, it, like, with Olsen, it was so lackadaisical, and it was like, okay, we're I running think the part same of that play. was confidence. Maybe, but like, I think I they will, were confident with their game plan with Maroon and Hack. I will, well, that's what I mean. Like, it was it was different. It was a little bit more aggressive in ways. Like with Olsen, it seemed like all throughout last year, it was like, oh yeah, we're doing great, we're doing great, and then all of a sudden, it was like a plateau hit, and that's and the, everybody that's just kind of got comfortable in their. What they were doing, it was like, oh, we're running this play. And that's been the M.O. for Greg Olson offenses. Yeah. Is that he's got a good young quarterback. He gets in there, tutors him a little bit, and then they do what They do well. They've got a good couple of years, and then all of a sudden, they kind of start falling off a little bit. Yeah. It's, yeah. The biggest, and the biggest, they, they look great for a quarter and a half to me. The last, the second half of the Colts game, lackluster, to say yeah. at best. The final drive, defensively. I never want to see the prevent defense. No, the fact that you you go into I would love to see prevent defense on the last drive compared to man, Uh, Alabama. Uh, (laughs) Okay, well don't bring your college allegiances. That's about to get brought up. Yeah, just a minute. But just the the (laughs) fact that you 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 play one way the entire game, you take the lead with a minute to go, and then all of a sudden you got Jalen Ramsey twelve yards off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And and every other play, you're just backing off and giving them everything underneath. He, and you got a minute and twenty seconds, and you got a that, very capable quarterback. That could very well be why Jalen Ramsey and some of them made those comments. Like the prevent prevents winning. Yeah, at least prevents you from stopping somebody. It's it's score. just something like that where in crunch time, that's yeah. You're you're the guy that you just brought back. That's what he's gonna do. That kind of worries me. Yeah, and it's it is one thing when you. And it's Run one, a prevent defense when you're up 14 at the end of the game. Correct. But not when this drive is going to determine the outcome of the game. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So. When a field goal ties, I think it was a, when a field goal ties it. Yeah. So you obviously yeah. want to see a little bit better game management in the fourth quarter moving forward from this coaching staff. That is the same coaching staff that that, that situation happened with. Obviously, it will be entirely different circumstances next year. But it is the same guys. Um, let's get into a little bit of draft talk. And uh, 
Hunter just brought this up a little bit, but his Alabama Crimson Tide fell in the national championship to the Clemson Tigers. Their first national championship since 1981. Great game. A terrible Not game. Not quite the best of all time. Do a terrible. Oh yeah! Game. Now we've got our resident Texas fan over here. Oh, yeah. I don't Joe care who did you it are. Better. 2006 Rose Bowl will never be topped. I'm going to say that I think this game was absolutely on par with that game. And I, I thought it was a terrible am game. Absolutely okay saying that you're wrong. I think I'm the only. Terrible. I'm the only objective observer here. We've got a damn Alabama fan and a Texas fan over here. I'm no, it, was, it was a great game. Amazing it a, game. It was a good second half. Great second half. Now, no, we're, not, like, yeah, we're not here to talk about the game. But we could. Well, we are. <laughs> well, we'll we are here to talk about. Yeah, yeah you guys can yeah. start your college football <laughs> podcast together. Um, there's a lot of NFL talent in that game. Mm-hmm. And there are several players on both sides of the ball that could potentially be Jaguars after... The uh, draft at the end of April here. So we're going to go ahead and get into five five guys at least that we believe could be Jaguars in 2017. We'll start with certainly the most highly rated and highly thought of player, Jonathan Allen. Defensive tackle, defensive end from Alabama. He can really play anywhere along the defensive front. Uh, he's a guy that... Uh, could have left last year and probably would have been maybe a late first round, second round pick. Now he's going to be a top five pick, and he's widely considered the second or third best player in the whole draft. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people would say Miles Garrett from Texas A&M is in front of him, but Jonathan Allen, such an amazing talent, and uh, he's got the pass rush ability combined with the run stuffing ability that teams just crave and. He's likely to end up being a three-tech and a four-three, or a five-tech and a three-four defense. Um, he's a guy that if the Jaguars are sitting there at four and he's still there, they'll have to seriously consider. He's absolutely in play right yeah. now. I would say if he's on the board, he's the runaway favorite. I would guess that you're correct on yeah. that one. He's just but that's the point. So is, good. If, is he going to fall to you? Yeah, uh, we I mean, haven't seen like. The way it's shaping up, he has to. It looks like it will. Like, Miles Garrett yeah. is one of the, probably the first three. Yeah. And then I would say you probably get, like, Trubisky and... There's, yeah, quarterback and, yeah, taken. I, maybe two. Like, because all three quarterbacks ahead of the Jaguars, or all three teams ahead of the Jaguars are quarterback-hungry teams. You got, what, the 49ers, you got the Bears, and who else am I missing? The Browns. Yeah. All teams... They need quarterback. Bad. Yeah. Like... It could be three quarterbacks. Ooh, My God! Would, if if there are three quarterbacks, because it could it, it feasibly could be Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, and Deshaun, Deshaun, Deshaun Kaiser. Kaiser. If that happens, Ooh. and the Jaguars are sitting there, I will for be the, crying for the third year in a row with pretty much the ultimate anyone board, they want, pretty much the first round draft pick. Yeah. because we didn't want quarterbacks. We could have a Jonathan Allen, a Miles Garrett, a Dalvin Cook, like Derek Barnett, Derek Barnett, Barnett. It's like anybody stick. You know, your hand in a hat and pull out a name. Like, oh, you, know, you win. No matter who you get. <laughs> that's, I already know who I'm taking yeah, if I'm yeah. uh, Caldwell and Coughlin, but, you know. It seems like Caldwell He doesn't play for Bama or Clemson, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I know, but... Man, I gotta... <laughs> it, just, it seems like they want to beef up the line. And we don't have a lot of time left here. Just so real let, quick, if Deshaun Watson... Man, give me that guy. Second round, please. I know, I... 
I don't. Oh yeah, we'll we were gonna in. get into Sean. I know. I just we don't got a lot of time. Folks. We just, don't have a lot of time. We're not gonna get to all five of our guys really <laughs> and explain them well. We did have Tim Williams, who would have to be the first round guy, and that's if like Jonathan Allen, Derek Barnett, and everybody's gone, yeah. which that's not gonna happen. That's not happening. It's probably not gonna happen for Tim Williams and Jacksonville. Deshaun Watson, like Scott said, Whew. if he's there in the second round and the Jaguars don't strongly consider that, there's something wrong. I completely agree. He's a hell of a talent. He's a gamer. He's a winner. I don't care what knock you have on him. He Give me somebody it. who can play football. Now, if Prince of Mukamara doesn't re-sign with the Jaguars this offseason, Corday Tankersley from Clemson, cornerback, six foot plus, 200 pounds, ball hawking guy. He's got four interceptions in 2016, five in 2015. He's a guy that would be a strong candidate in the second round. And then a bit of a wild card that could be third, fourth round pick with such a strong running back class. Wayne Gallman from Clemson is a really impressive runner. He doesn't have the ideal build for a running back. He's a bit tall, runs a bit upright, a lot but he, he pushes the pile forward. A lot said he should have come out last year. Yeah, he pushes the pile forward and he's put on weight. And he's not a true home run threat, but he's probably a guy that if he made it to the NFL, would average four-plus yards a carry. Now, that's all five of our guys. We would have liked to get in more in-depth with these guys, but, you know, we don't have time. We only have an hour. So that's pretty much going to do it for our show. This is the Generation Jaguar podcast. Find us online at genjag.com. You can find Hunter Evans on Twitter, at Hunter underscore Evans underscore seven. Scott Klein, at Scott Klein one You can find me at Jordan DeLugo on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to follow Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag on Twitter and at Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.